Blog Talk Radio. traditional wisdom redo. We are taking traditional wisdom and seeing how it plays out in this modern world of parenting. There's a huge parenting community out there today. Basically, the children of the baby boomers are having children. And it's raising a new level of consciousness and awareness about what parenting means and the lessons that we've learned from our parents, the boomers, as well as from their parents have been passed down. And each generation has a different set of challenges in all aspects of their lives, including parenting. And I think our generation now that are becoming parents have a different set of um, of challenges and also responsibilities towards their children and that we're facing. It's spring break here, and um, you know my husband was like, why are you even bothering doing a show this week? It's spring break. Well, this mom don't take no breaks. And um, I, I really was still revving up, and I still am from my call last week and show with Nicole Clark, who is a client of mine, a former elite model and the filmmaker behind the documentary CoverGirl Culture. We basically were talking about beauty, and we took the film down to the Delray Film Festival this weekend, and I'm proud, 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 proud mama to report that the film won the Community Service Award given out by the Delray Film Festival for its role in raising awareness for for parents and young women about the potential negative effects of the teenage magazine industry on the self-esteem of young women. So I am a very proud mama. Congratulations to Nicole. And I had such a blast with Nicole. We basically have been working together for the past year, and I've never met her, which is the one thing I absolutely love about working virtually. Um, when I was a, when we co-founded the Spiritual Cinema Circle quite a few years back, basically we were sketched out all over the globe. I'm here in New York, and my other partners were in New Mexico, Oregon, Ojai, California, and then also down in San Diego, California. And it's just amazing what you can accomplish by working virtually. We did everything through conference calls and emails, and now there's even more services that you can work virtually online, and basically the same with Nicole. We've been working over email and on the phone, and now with the advent of Facebook, I actually can see what she looks like, but I actually got to see her in person this this weekend, and we had such a blast, such a fun time. We made up flyers, and we're running around all Delray Beach, kind of like an episode of The Apprentice, like trying to find praying and being predators and trying to find young girls and their moms to come, come out and see the screening, and we had a decent turnout and it's just 
I, I so enjoyed watching her film on the big screen more, more so than um, than the other five times that I watched it. It was just, I don't know, there's just something about her film that just really kicks up something in me, especially as a mom to a young daughter, about wanting to best prepare my daughter for the world and wanting to shield any mom who's and any parent who's really angling to bring their child into the entertainment industry and into the modeling world. Um, before her screening, there was a really interesting panel discussion um, or lecture with Greg James, who I believe runs a, a management company, and he's been in the industry for a while. And there were so many parents with their young kids there, and I'm talking like age 6 to maybe 12, um, and they're talking about and wanting to know information about how to bring their kids into the modeling industry and how to get themselves educated about it. And you can see in the, the mom's eyes and the parent's eyes that there was this real, like, anxiety about it and more so about getting their kid recognized, noticed, and hired so they can make money. Now, last week, the topic of the week was Beauty Mark, and the pearl of the week was, was Mirror of Love. And when I was looking at these moms really wanting to know and so anxious and nervous about getting their kids in the industry, basically, so they can get their kids' work and make money, you know, I saw in them that reflective shield of wanting love, of wanting acceptance, of wanting to have a healthy self-esteem. And me being me, I couldn't help but raise my hand and jump into the conversation and really try and build a perspective carrying, a, carrying out of the themes that I was talking to Nicole last week about really learning the insides, inside um, insider scoop of what you're really facing when you go into the modeling world and you become basically this external picture for people, where it, which has nothing to do with the substance of who you are as a person. It's just really, you know, what's the best face that we can we can put on, and you know, and all the rejection that you go through and how that impacts you and how basically malleable a, a young woman, especially a teenage girl or a nine-year-old girl's self-esteem can be. And you're basically placing that in other people's hands. And can you really trust that? Can you really trust what's going to happen, what they're going to say to your, your daughter? And what they're, and if what they say, if it's not so terrible, you don't know if, if you think it's not so terrible, how your daughter's going to react to it or your son. And um, so I'm watching these moms and... You know, watching their kids' reactions to some of the kids were just the sweetest-looking, bright, bright-eyed things in the world, and I could see why they would think that their their children would be appropriate for the modeling world. I mean, just like I look at my kids, they're the most beautiful. They're the most beautiful children in the world, and um, you know, and I just see again like the fear that's running through them. And Greg was really trying to prepare them to have a well-rounded perspective of what to expect of being responsible in terms of parenting and learning the business side of it, of it and the angles and what to expect, facing, facing basically your own fears as a parent, as well as trying to educate your child to learn the business side also. Um, you know, the more successful and, and model, of models and actors that have longevity, they, they have pretty acute awareness about what the business aspects and the business components. So there is a mix. However, again, me being me, and I'm, 
I had to jump in and basically remind these parents that your children are your most precious assets in the world. And you basically want to shield them as much as you can. And honestly, and I felt a little bit bad of saying this, but I felt like it was the truth and important, but saying, like, it's not your child's job or responsibility to go out and make the money for your family, especially when you're 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, under 16, which we need a worker's permit anyway. Um, and until your children can basically reach the age of majority and sign a contract by themselves and take on those responsibilities, I'm sorry, it's your, it's your, your role as a parent to provide for your family. And, um, you know, but again, if you're going to take that step, and basically, and I know times are tight and people are trying to get creative about how to bring extra income, so why not? If you have a beautiful child, take them for a few for a few pictures. What harm can that can that be? They'll probably get paid more than than you'll make. But if you're going to do it, just be educated. Just try and put up a protective shield as much as you can around around your child. Um, talk to other parents who have taken their kids through it and ask them what they face. Ask them what their challenges are. Know who their representations are. And also work on your children and yourself about the other components, which we were talking again with Nicole last week, which is about making sure that they have a strong core where nothing's really going to to penetrate their core and not to take things personally if they are if they are rejected because if you're going out for auditions chances are that they that you are going to be rejected it's just statistics not everyone's right for every single job sure anybody can can do any sort of acting or modeling job but it, it might not be right for whatever the reason um, and it's just it's, I don't know. I was I was getting a little really really sad, and I was really talking to a lot of these parents about Nicole's film and how it could help them. And what really broke my heart was only a few of those parents actually showed up for Nicole's movie. And it was kind of like kind of showing the whole purpose of the movie, which is to not be blindsided by the all the gloss and the glitz and the glamour. And I felt like a lot of these parents are kind of being a little, a little blindsided. So that was that was a little that was a little sad. I, mama, mama, mama wasn't so happy. Um, but Nicole's screening went really, really well. Again, we had a blast. I had such a fun time talking to her. And then as we were talking more, I was asking her a little bit more about her experience as a model in the modeling industry. And some of the stuff she was saying was a little disturbing. I mean, again, I don't have any firsthand, um, firsthand knowledge or experience to share with you about what it's like to be in front of the cameras in that professional world. Um, I can tell you what it's like doing photo shoots with my kids and, you know, being popping in and out of pictures, um, you know, with my friends and my family and at other people's junior dinners bouncing behind, you know, their pictures and stuff like that. But from the professional modeling world, I, I really don't know. I was approached a couple of times when I was younger <laughs> by an agent and a photographer, but I never pursued it. And I'm going to thank my mom publicly for that because after talking to Nicole this weekend and hearing a little bit more about what what the model's journey is like, um, I'm really appreciative that my mom 
basically put up a very, very strong no and boundary about it. She was not going to basically allow me to do it. You know, we talked about it. She did give me options. It was obviously my end decision, but she was so dead set against, um, you know, me even considering the notion of going into into modeling or any any sort of profession like that. And I think she's absolutely right. I think me, as knowing my younger self, my self-esteem would have got completely twisted. And, you know, I, I'd rather have that experience through some ex-boyfriends than in the modeling professional world. So <laughs> thank you, Mom, for not letting me go down that path. <clears throat> now, when I was talking with with Nicole, and she was telling me a little bit more about her experience and what she saw other young girls go through. And by young girls, I mean 14, 15, um, 16 years old. And it really sparked me to wanting to have this continuing conversations on Mama's Pearls and to um, to really segue into the topic for this week, which is safety net. And I'm still working on the blog. It'll be up probably right after right after the show. I'll, I'll, I'll finish it up and get it up. But it's creating a safety net and a safe space for your children to play in and grow in and thrive in. Just like I, I put out the intonation for the space on Mama's Pearls to be a safe space for us as parents and a community to explore the questions and concerns that we have as parents and what we're doing with our children, their same role and function as a parent to guide your children throughout this life and basically you know, help them feel at least that they have a, a safety net. Now, I see a safety net being a little bit different than a security blanket, and maybe it's it's one of the same, but in looking at a safety net, you know, I really see as guiding your kids to learn to dance between the raindrops. Um, and it has been pouring cats and dogs here this for the last few days here. It's been rather unbelievable rain, um, kind of letting up today. And when I was flying back, I was really nervous about flying back because it was torrential downpour down in Florida. And I tried to go like leave early and catch an earlier flight, and that didn't work. So I'm hanging out in the airport. I have like this huge long delay, and I'm just moseying along because when you have a huge long delay, who cares how long the security line is? Who cares, you know, how long the line is to get my water once I've thrown out my other five bottles at the security line? And the first thing you notice at the security line are men with guns. And to me, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just born in the wrong era, but I don't feel safer when I see people with guns. I really don't. I It makes me nervous. It makes me anxious. I start tweaking out. And there are, like, people in, in uniform, Army uniform, or I think actually they're, they're in the Air Force when they work in, in the airports, walking around with their guns. And, um, you know, yeah, I understand the circumstances of why it is now necessary to to feel secure and to have that extra pad of um, security. And yes, I've heard about more attacks happening in Moscow and everyone, every prime targeted nation now is now on high alert. Um, So we create this safety net for ourselves for having these procedures at security 
for airlines and other places where um, where are seen it at risk. And what does that mean? Well, okay, it means your liquids go into a little plastic bag, and you might get a random non-profiled <laughs> non-profiled search by a representative and security guard of your same gender, and it means that you get to see more guys with guns or women with guns. Um, does that make you feel safe? And talking with somebody who travels a lot to Israel where they have extra heightened, uh, you know, they're the Mac Daddy of, of security nations. They're like, you feel so safe. It's the safest place in the world because there are people with guns all over. Um, I do not feel safe when I see a gun. For me, I see guns as and, and bullets as every bullet has somebody's name on it, and hopefully it's just no one I know. And so um, it really led me to think, again, talking with Nicole and seeing, you know, our illusions of safety about casting a safety net, a wide safety net for yourself and for your children. And the pearl of the week, again, is dancing through the raindrops, and they are going to face rain in their lives, just as we do. And how do we best prepare them for that? Um, there is a whole school of thought now, and I think our generation of parents, because we're, we are more educated and we do have the news reminding us every five seconds about what can and does go wrong with, with our children and where the holes in our safety net are and how it can be penetrated, that we take it to the other extreme and kind of really going overboard with overprotecting our kids, over over patting them, over shielding them. I don't remember riding a bike when I was younger with a helmet or or elbow pads and knee pads. And I remember taking my big wheels, plowing up the street and totally completely falling off and running back home and crying because they scratched my knee. Is that such a bad thing to have a scratch? Wasn't so bad for me, but you know what? If it's my kid, I don't want them to have a scratch. I don't want them to hit their head. I don't want to leave the room in my dad's house for a second and my son falls off the couch and slams his head into into their table and he has like now like this scar across his forehead to remind me every single day that mommy wasn't there, mommy was neglectful, and I basically suck as a parent. Um, that Those are horrible, horrible feelings when, when your children do get bumped and bruises and scathed and there's only so many mom kisses and ice ice patches. You know, that's my that's my kids now routine. If they get a bump or a bruise, they do their little cry and they go, I need ice. I need ice. And if they have ice, somehow it miraculously makes them feel better. Except the other day when my daughter got her finger caught in the door with her little pinky finger and my son's like pulling the door closed and he doesn't know what's going on with her because he's in his own world and even though she's right next Night, standing right next to him with her foot, her finger caught in the door and like hysterically crying, you know, it doesn't doesn't quite click. So I had to like pry the door open and she took out her fing her little pinky finger and it was totally smushed from getting caught. And, you know, I'm looking at this and it's completely indented and I'm totally freaking out. Well, not really freaking out, but freaking out enough. And... <laughs> And you know, debating whether is this host is this a, an emergency? Is this uh, you know is this where we pack her in the car and go to the emergency room? Is this ambulance worthy? I'm I'm not I'm a jurist doctor, which is a doctor of law, but I'm not a doctor. And my cousin, Doctor Joanna Dolgoff, was nowhere around, so um, I got the ice, and you know I we kept. 
putting our finger in ice water until it, I saw that it was like the compactness that was the smushiness was starting to alleviate and come out and come into a nice swell. And of course, I go on the internet and I'm looking up uh, fractured fingers and doing my little quick on the spot research, and you know, it says that 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 is all normal, and to just look to see if she can move it, um, and basically how bad it gets when um, the swelling. And she was able to move it, albeit it, it looked like it was painful. And she's going, my finger, my finger, I need more ice. So we kept putting the ice on, and you know, she wound up okay. She didn't do any any permanent damage, but as much as they know, and as much as I've told her in the past to watch your fingers when you, when you close the door. She's got like these tiny little fingers. She's this little petite girl. Watch your fingers. Watch your fingers. Look out for each other. Col you know, Colby, watch Casey. Casey, watch Colby. Um, and I'm bringing in, in groceries. Like, stuff is going to happen. And we deal with it the best that we can. If it's tweaking out, tweak out. Um, and if it's a matter of getting ice or seeking mental attention, we do that. And, you know, and we basically hope and, and pray for the best. I, um, if you do want to chat with me today, if your kids aren't too busy in their spring break activities, you can call in at 347-327-9450. looks like there is somebody on the line. I don't know if you're just listening or being one of my crank callers here, but hang on. Let me see who you are. Hello. Welcome to Mama's Pearls. Are you just listening? Send. Yeah. It's Frank. Hey. Oh, Frank. <laughs> Hi. Welcome. Perfect. Okay. So. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm yeah, actually just listening. Talk? Are you at work? I'm not yet. I'm actually just listening. You're just listening. You don't want to talk today? I, I would love to, but that's just, I, I can't. You're at work. So, all right. I'm, I'm, so, in, a, I'm uh, in a pod. I'm in a pod. You can explain <laughs> that to the rest of the <laughs> So, I will do the talking. There all right. Go. So Frank is my brother-in-law, and he sneaks time at work to basically listen to Mama's Pearls. So that's why when he says he's in his pod, he's in his little little pea pod action at work. So he's just hanging out, listening. You can you can feel free to jump in and make it try to mask it as we're having a professional call. Um, maybe we can we can talk a little bit about insurance and <laughs> protecting your kids properly through getting insurance. Um, but so but Frank is he's basically he's my brother in law, but he's really my brother and he's the one who always jokes that if I'm Mama's Pearls he's Daddy Diamonds. And it's actually perfect that he's on the air because him and my sister They've had the, I will say, distinct privilege of having to watch um, me, myself and Frank's sister have children and basically prepare themselves to what to expect for when they were expecting for them having children. And they are so educated and cautious and smart about what they're doing with their daughter. And I watch them take a very, very close eye and keep a very close watch on my little niece, which, you know what, you're damn right, you better be watching my niece. Um, she's like my little most precious thing now. And, you know, yeah, you better be doing your job, Daddy Diamonds. So, um, so, but they're very cautious, and it automatically reminds me of um, kind of like the over – 
not righteousness, but the wake-up call you get when you're pregnant and all of a sudden, like, any of the bad habits that you're doing before you're you're pregnant, um, you basically, you try an immediate stop. If you're a smoker, you stop smoking. If you're a drinker, you stop if you're if you're addicted to coffee, you try and tame it down and switch to decaf or or wing yourself off completely because all of a sudden you know it's not the the best thing for your for your growing fetus inside you to um, to be continuing these habits throughout your pregnancy and um, in a way like I absolutely you know I was basically the same way you know anything that I was doing you want to know. You want to know what the do's and don'ts are when you're when you're pregnant and when you're expecting about um, about what you can eat and what you can't eat and what activities you shouldn't be doing and how much is too much and you basically you go online and you're marketed to and you have this whole industry basically supporting you of books and professionals and coaches and your fellow moms and you really start listening and you really start reading and doing your research and you modify your ways. And that whole change-up cracks me up a little bit because it's like, you know, you still are the same person, and then when we do a transference to our children to expect them to all of a sudden just follow every single rule in the book because all of a sudden you as parents wake up or as expecting parents wake up to, um, there's a whole world of don'ts. And um, when your kids get a little bit older and even they're, when they're younger, you expect them to, like, be these perfect little kids. And I'm sorry, but, you know, we weren't all perfect little people before we became parents. And so when you're preparing as an expecting mom, um, you know, again, most of the things that are marketed to you as parents and baby products, it's done through fear. It's like if you don't do this for your kid, if you don't get this kind of crib, this kind of stroller, this kind of baby products, like something terrible, knock on wood, is going to happen to your child. And there are fluky, crazy things that happen every day. When I went to law school, it basically solidified my tweak-out factor and paranoia factor. As you learn to see every single thing that can go wrong and does go wrong, and um, you know, you really just see things like with this five-step process of, okay, if you cross that street, you're going to get hit. And if you get hit and you don't have insurance, then this is going to happen and the police are going to do this and that. And you really can freak yourself out. And the world of baby products is kind of the same thing. It's the most overwhelming experience when you're doing a registry. You want to make sure you have every single thing that you need. And my sister Val and Frank were no different. They wanted to make sure that they did their homework and cross-check their list. They had their own list from their research, and then they would cross-check it with me and and um, Frank's sister and say, okay, what worked, what don't work, what didn't work for us. And um, just remember, though, when you're taking advice from other people, to take it with a big grain of salt because your, their advice is based on their own experiences, which may have been a culmination of, of their fears coming to a head. So um, it's easy to feel like you're, you're spinning on a top as a parent, especially when you're in that beginning phases of being an expecting parent and um, and navigating your way to just what you have to have initially for a baby um, and getting yourself set up. And again, there's a whole industry that supports this. It's not it's not a you know couple of thousand dollar industry. There's a whole billion dollar baby industry um, that goes behind 
you know, behind this. And you absolutely need stuff. We're not living in the days anymore where we're just popping them out in the fields. And even then, we still needed shelter and some place to put them and something and something to feed them. Things are much more sophisticated now. Um, and there are millions of websites. I don't know about million, but there are. Lots of websites and resources out there that you can go to and, and do your homework about cross-checking about the baby products and which ones are, quote, safe. And, and when I was writing the blog, and, and in the blog you'll see, it's like you go through all this homework, you finally decide which which crib to buy, you put it in your, your house, you put your baby in it, you do all your research about making sure um, you protect against SIDS, which is sudden infant death syndrome, and you don't put them on their bellies anymore. You put them on, on their back, but you can't just put them on the back. You need the baby wedges, and you've got to alternate sides. Put them on one side one night, put them on the other side the other night. So that's basically so their head doesn't get flat, and it's also in case they throw up that they don't swallow it, or you know if they spit up in the middle of the night that they don't swallow it and choke. Yeah, all these wonderful fun things. Um, and all you're doing all night is like when, when they're, especially when they're first born, is like you're listening to the baby monitor, which is cranked up, super volume control, like way up in your ear, so any little slight, slight, um, slight, you know peep out of them or cry out of them, you can hear it jump up and run. I mean, as parents, and my husband always says this, like, you never sleep the same way again because you always have, like, in the back of your mind, what if I have to get up? They need me. Um, and there are times they do need you, and you learn to basically, like, distinguish the cries. Frankie, you on for a sec? Nah, he's working. Um, but you learn to distinguish their cries. And I know my kids' cries when they really, really, like, need me. Like, when my daughter got her finger stuck in the door, like, there was no mistake in that cry that that was, I'm in pain, come here now, <laughs> now, now, now cry, um, versus just a little whimpery cry or the um, the whiny cry. I hate the whiny cry. I, I really have no tolerance for the, <laughs> the whiny cry with my kids. And... Um, and so you learn to decipher these keeping the same way that you used to. And um, you know you're right there like on call with your child all the time when they're sleeping. So you finally have them in their bed. You're having a wonderful experience with the crib. It's gorgeous. You're getting, you're getting compliments on it. And then maybe a month later you read in the news that there's a recall on your crib because, you know, most of the problems with crib is like the the side that goes up and down. Um, what is that called? But the side, the panel, the wall that goes up and down, like the bottoms, sometimes they don't lock and they can push out. So it would happen where you would get a body part of your kid that gets stuck and something happens with that. So you'll get a product recall. So, like, that whole cycle, and that is normal, and that is cyclical, and most manufacturers in the business will tell you it probably at least one time in their career that they've gone through a product recall. I mean, now you look at, like, what's happening with Toyota. I personally love Toyotas, and um, and my one of my last cars was a Toyota, and then you're seeing now that they're having these problems and having to do recalls because the accelerator gets stuck and you can't stop. Um, luckily, there there are some people and out there that are giving you information about how to navigate that, and there are some new sources. So if you have a Toyota or any single car, you might want to read up and just educate yourself. Um, but it, 
it's really, it's really, that kind of stuff is really scary. You hear about all now like the toxicity levels in plastic toys and the bottles that maybe your your older friends were using. They were filled with all BPA, um, which is like this ingredient in plastic when heated gets released and affects like your child's um, your child's system and development and ultimately lead to whatever. And or I think it's actually connected with over time, the toxicity in the BPA leads to um, leads to cancer. So, um, or could be one of the founding causes of cancer. I'm not going to go into the factual thing of that because I didn't particularly research that for this for this call. Um, but again, now they have all the BPA-free plastic um, products available now. Which, as a mom going into it, like my sister wasn't just taking all of my bottles unless it did have the BPA-free. So the more that these these little things of awareness get passed down the pike, the more it translates into having the products available, but we're still kind of testing it out and being guinea pigs for it um, because who knows in five years it might, or even a year it might change again. Things change so rapidly in the baby product product industry, it's almost impossible to keep up. You know, my sister asked me questions about, you know, which foods to eat when she was pregnant and what to get, and it takes me a while to, to remember and, like, refresh my memory about what did I do and why did I do it. You're so ingrained in it at the time, but once your kid moves on, they moved on. So, anyway, I'm sitting on the plane coming back from, from the Delray Beach Film Festival, and um, well, actually, before I got on, when I was getting on the plane, like I always do a superstitious thing where I like kiss my hand and smack the smack the door as I'm crossing my right foot. It's just my my little superstition. And it was torrential downpour down in Florida. I heard it was torrential downpour up in New York. Actually, my dad, this is what he does. I go, I call my dad. I'm like, I'm on my way to the airport, and he starts telling me, like how miserable it is in New York, how windy, we're having tornado warnings, like all the things you don't want to hear when you're getting on a plane. Like I want to hear like, oh, it's starting to let up, it's not so bad, you'll have a great flight, you know. And no, 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 he doesn't give me any of that. He's telling me just basically all the worst things you want to hear, which you wonder why I have a little bit of an anxiety issue. So I get on the plane, and I immediately turn, and the, the cockpit was open, and I'm, I start talking to the pilot, and I'm like, well, how is it up in New York? And he's like, you know, we're, it's a little bit of rough weather. I'm like, well, are you going to be able to keep it smooth? And he starts laughing, like, you know, I, I will do my best to try and keep it as smooth as possible, but I can't. And the, and the flight attendant starts cracking up, too. He's like, you know, he can't control that. Um, that's up to Mother Nature. And I'm like, well, you know, may the force be with you type thing. So I go and take my seat, and I'm just praying. And, you know, since I've had my, my children, I, I haven't been the, the greatest flyer. I don't know. Once, I don't know what it was, but once I had my kids, all of a sudden I became a nervous flyer. And some people will tell me it's about control, the same thing like when you go on a cruise ship, if you're really a bad traveler on, on a cruise ship and get sickness, then it's all about like letting go of, go of control and feeling safe. And um, I look at it as like I want to see my kids for as long as possible. But So I'm sitting next to this, um, the oldest couple basically on the flight, and I start talking to them. And he is 92 years old, and his wife is 90 years old. They've been married for 68 years. 
and I like start like choking up inside because I all all I'm thinking about are my my grandparents. My grandparents passed la- last year, and um, my grandmother was 95. And I mean, I'm sorry, my grandfather was 95, and my grandmother was I think 92. And here this couple is, and they're still able to get themselves on the plane and fly back and forth from Florida to New York. I'm just thinking what a miracle that is. Like, what's your secret? What have you done all this time to protect you from this great big scary world? And, you know, we were just talking a little bit. I didn't understand everything he was saying, but he he actually wound up running a store in the neighborhood I grew up in, which was kind of funny, um, for like 40 years. And... Um, they were just like the sweetest couple. So I've really been thinking about my grandparents again. For And my grandmother, when I was talking to my mom yesterday, my, my mom was like, you know, if you're doing doing a topic about safety, you should really remember what, what, what my mom, my grandmother, used to say. And that was, in life, you have to have mazel. And mazel means luck. You, a lot of people, they know the term mazel tov, which is good luck. And she used to say, you have to have mazel. And from her saying this, it's so true. I mean, again, she was a a Holocaust survivor, and she basically survived because she did everything counter to logic. Um, Anything that other people did that was like what you would have, should have, and could have done led to them not surviving. She basically chased death throughout the the war and um, and her path to actually finally coming here and settling in America, and she chased death at like every turn and found herself living. Um, and you wonder why, you know, why is that? How? How? What? Why? If it flies in the face of logic and makes no sense, you know, why? And part of it is, and what she would say is, you have to have mazel, you have to have luck. And I look at what we're doing with our kids today and how, you know, do you create your own luck? Do you operate from that vantage point? Um, Do you create your own luck? Or is it something that's just innate? And it comes back to what we talked to a few, one of the earlier episodes of Mama's Pearls and Quiet Time is really establishing the connection and helping your kids learn and trust themselves and to feel secure enough in their own beings um, and to trust their own intuition. You know, there's a whole whole school of thought about, you know, when are you quashing their freedom and do you allow them to, to be free or do you have to instill the change and have a constant safety net around them or do you let them go and, and trust trust them? Um, do you let your kid go for a bike ride now in your neighborhood? Is your neighborhood safe for them? Um, if your neighborhood's safe, will that one fluky thing that you didn't think of happen? Um, and if you don't let them do it, are they going to not have a full sense of independence? I mean, these are really hard things to figure out. I don't necessarily have um, the magic ball answer for you and your family, but these are things that we're constantly worrying with as parents. Now, it looks like I do have somebody else that popped on the line. Um, Let's see if this person's at work. Hang on one second. Hello, and welcome to Mama's Pearls. Hello, this is your your almost adopted pending bro. (laughs) Hi, Joe. 
How are you? How are you? Well, I'm just uh, thrilled to to be, you know, listening and 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 be here, and I hope I can share some of my own thing here in the way of being a parent. That would be great. Um, well, do you have Do you have the show on in the background? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to mute it, but I yeah. know what I can do. I can just turn the volume down. There we go. Yeah, turn the volume down because I'm, I'm hearing silly back. So, okay, so Joe is somebody I met this weekend, um, just for our other listeners here at Mama's Pearls. And I met him down at the film festival, and he is an actor. And he's quite a character, I'll tell you that right now. Oh. And um, he actually grew up in, in Brooklyn and now is living in Florida. He was one of, what, you were four boys? I'm the oldest of four, yep. The oldest of four boys. And um, we immediately started, like, kidding each other. Like, he feels like he could be an older brother while I have my uh, younger brother-in-law also on the line. So it's pretty interesting that the <laughs> that they that the bros are chiming into this call, which I see as, like, totally part of my safety net and being protected by your brothers. There you go. <laughs> right? So for well, me, for me it works. So welcome to Mama's Pearls, Joe. Thank you. And I'm it was a pleasure to, to meet here. you. Yeah. yeah. So well, what's, you know, your, what's your feel? Well, you know, I, you know, as I mentioned way back when, when we met, that, you know, my son's 27 now, and he's on his own, but I distinctly recall... The days when he was, you know, a baby and then growing up, obviously. And, and um, you know, I seem to take from what my parents sort of did with us growing up in, in Brooklyn and, and in the 50s and 60s, and that there was a balance. There was definitely a balance between what it was that we were allowed to do and go and explore, but... Um, and then there was home for dinner at 6 p.m. And, and homework and, and, you know, Sundays with the family visiting and going different, you know, having different sense of, of connection and obligation with, with immediate family and friends. So, um, you know, there's, but there was a whole difference back then, too, in the way of, of going to school. I mean, the teachers were allowed to crack you across the you know the hand with a with a ruler or or something similar if you got out of line and and if you brought that news home to mom and dad they were more or less of the opinion well you probably deserved it so <laughs> you know right. so and today it's unheard of i mean there's you know um that would not fly at all it would not fly at all no i mean it it just it, so so there's been a shift of some kind in the sense that you know um I don't want to say we've over-intellectualizing the process of raising children um, because that leaves the door open for, well, who's the smartest, who's the brightest, who has the best information? Um, you know, so where do you draw the line and how does anyone with a reasonable, you know, sense of education as far as a background mix that with just the basic instincts of, of being a parent and knowing that, you know, you love your child, which means that you will protect them above all, you know. And and so it just seems to me like we're in a sort of a fuzzy, fuzzy time now where, you know, good old common sense is, is battling, you know, academia or, or the, you know, the most... Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's just It just seems like it's a tough, tough place for, like, my son who's 27, let's say, if he's going to be... 
a parent soon, it, it, would, it seems like it's, it, it would be a, it's tougher, you know, than, than when I raised him, you know, 27 years ago. Right. So I don't know how that, you know, and then, then of course, you know, with Nicole's film and, and, and what we learned and what we are continuing to learn about how business and, and, and you know, the whole money machine is, is playing into what people may or may not want, you know, they just, um, it's, it's always about money and we have to keep ourselves, I think, pretty much aware of that fact, uh, Money has a way of really dictating. Uh, just real quick, in Massachusetts, I remember when my my son was born. <laughs> it's really actually quite funny. There was a law on the books for years. My son was born in 1983. For years before 1983, that children under the age of five were required to be put into car seats in cars. Right. The problem was is that no one paid attention to the law, and so car seat sales were practically nil because. The law did not have a fine attached to it. And this is a matter of fact that one day someone in the legislature woke up and said, you know what, this is ridiculous. We've got this law and we've got children that are being injured and they're not in car seats, so we better attach a fine to anyone who's not, who has a child in, in a car that's not in a car seat. Well, guess what? Within, within weeks after that law was announced and passed and, 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 and on the books, you couldn't find a car seat in any store retail. <laughs> you know, so, right. I mean, think about that. You, you know, we put dollar signs in the places where uh, they're important in terms of needing to recognize uh, something, and then at other times something doesn't become important until a dollar sign is attached to it. Right, or, or something else unfortunately tragic happens with it exactly exactly now, con contrast that to the um now where you have it where you basically go through like three different car seats before they're out of it you have your infant carrier seat which has its own set of rules about how it needs to be set in the car where it's um facing backwards mm -hmm. then if i think it's they're a year or 30 pounds um then you get them the next size car seat which um takes them for the next couple of years of their lives my son is going to be four and he's busting out of that one mm -hmm. and now we have a booster seat so that's that's three different purchases of car seats that i needed to make and not only for myself but um you know it's a pain in the neck to constantly change car seats when it's in my car or my dad's car or, or my my husband's parents car so it's like three sets of car seats <laughs> that <Yeah>. we bought <laughs> um and my sister you know she has her new baby and i basically gave her my infant carrier seat and her first question like was well what year is this because each year they they perfect the model the same with cars each year you get you get a new model mm -hmm. and is this going to be safe for for my little niece um, and my answer was, well, you know, my two kids are okay. I hope, yeah. <laughs> hope to God that your kid's going to be okay in it, but you never know. Mm -hmm. um, and just a little food for thought about what we're saying here. This is a quote from Benjamin Spock, who wrote Dr. Spock's Baby and Child Care, mm -hmm. which he says, the child supplies the power, but the parents have to do the steering. Ah. Aha, uh -huh, right? Interesting. Well, you know, that that is very interesting, and it, it, it kind of plays into a thought that I that I had all along, and but even more so now with you know the, the recent conversations. But the psychologists, and I'm not a psychologist, a doctor, but I've done my share of reading, raising you know my son along the way, 
especially since I was... Yeah, you're not a psychologist, but you're pretty mental. Well, I am. <laughs> but, you know, they, they use a term uh, called separating and individuating, and it's, right. it's, it's designed to identify a period of time somewhere, and again, I could be totally wrong, but I know I'm within tolerance here, of the six, seven-year-old range of age, possibly eight-year-old. And that's where the child literally starts to become able to know that they can test the waters in terms of separating and individuating themselves uh, from mommy and daddy or from whoever the parental influences are in their lives. And that's something I think that over time, you know, your program and what you're trying to do to get out there and, and have these pearls be out there, you know, there might be the need to understand at least that as an infant and a toddler and a two or three-year-old or four-year-old, there's probably this set of rules or boundaries that, that the safety net should encompass. And then when we need to start to consider or parents need to start to consider that the child is really starting to be, you know, naturally develop this sense of wanting to separate and individuate, that there needs to be a little bit well, I don't want to say less of a safety net, but a different safety net. And, right. then, and then onward and onward, you know, into, uh, so hopefully by the time adolescence comes along, right. or before, per Nicole's film with some of those eight and nine-year-old girls, I, I, I wanted to tear my teeth out. It was so horrible to hear the, you know, these babies, pay, you know, say things about not being pretty and all that, you know, that, right. that sort of thing just uh, hopefully... And a child will have a better sense of self. Um, and, and that's the other thing, too, Cynthia, is that, I mean, I'm 56 years old. I know I must have had some sort of sense of health, self growing up in Brooklyn, but I didn't need to be told that I needed it, you know? And that's well, well here, here's the thing which you're touching upon is um, there was basically like, like two main factions. It's basically keeping them safe on the home front, which is the parents' main responsibility to keep their house safe and bring in the child-proofing experts where there's a whole industry now of people who will come to your house and you pay a fee and they will child-proof everything. Um, I did not do that, but, <laughs> but other people do. And then there is preparing them for the external world. And in that external world, um, and I'm glad that you're calling in being a Brooklyn boy, is something about teaching them about street smarts mm -hmm. and trusting your instincts and trusting yourself and trusting your own muzzle, like my grandmother says, mm -hmm. um, and having faith in yourself that you are going to dance between the raindrops and have a radar out there for what feels good and what doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I was putting in when I raised my hand and was talking in um, – and the panel this weekend was if, if even if you're a parent and I find myself as a lawyer, when I'm in a room and I'm talking to people and I'm talking about business or a negotiation or a deal or, or an idea and I feel like I'm hitting a wall or I'm constantly having to chase something and it doesn't feel right, like, it's not going to happen. The more I chase something, the more it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And I've learned to kind of trust and respect that now where I, it may have, like, driven, driven me crazy 10 years ago when I was in my 20s. And, um, you know, and I see that with with parents trying to – they almost – 
don't teach them their kids street smarts now. It's much more in their head and academic, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in each area is now overthought. Right, I mean, in part of it, rightfully so, but again, it's striking that balance between how much you trust your own intuition versus what other people are telling you. So I think the street smart part is um is is a real is a real question because we don't really let our kids play out in the street as as they used to. Um you know, yeah, it's hard. It was so, different, but it but, but you know that it's I think I don't know, it's just to me it's so easy to go back and recall the days in and Park Slope and Bensonhurst and these areas where you had homes that were connected and sort of like the all-in-the-family neighborhood, you know, <laughs> in, in the opening. It's, you, you just knew that you could be at a certain place. Every neighbor knew every neighbor, you know. The policeman walked the beat with, and flipped the stick around, you know, and the, and, and the policeman knew who you were and who your parents were. And there was just more of a sense of, of connectedness, you know. And, 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 but yet when mothers literally and fathers started yelling out the window for their kids to come home, right. we, we went home and we had right. dinner and then we watched, you know, Chet Hudley and David Brinkley news. And, and, and there was, you know, there's just a, more of a sense that you could get a lot of what you needed as a kid, as at least with my growing up with my, my experience from just being home and, and, and getting a, a real sense of, of knowing what your parents uh, expected from you. And, and well, when- it, it sounds like also you, you grew up in a much more community-focused neighborhood. And um, one thing that, that I constantly wrestle with. You there? Oops. Hello? Okay, I'm back. This this happens to me on Food Fight too, where all of a sudden my line my line drops off. So Joe, if you're there, come back come back online. I am. You're here. Okay. Well, um, something happened. I don't know. Yeah, my all of a sudden my phone just drops off. So I don't know. Okay. All right, we're well, um, back in. So if there's another line lighting up, that's probably me on. Okay. Hold. But okay. Back. 
Yeah, this this is what happens. I'm not a techie person. Um, so, all right, but we're talking about strangers now on Mama's Pearls in the in the segment of um, Safety Net, and you know we're teaching our kids not to you know that we shouldn't talk to strangers. But basically, my whole career was built upon because I've talked to strangers and I went out and networked and met new new people, and through that it led me to different business opportunities. And I personally love talking. Talking to strangers, I love talking to that that elderly couple next to me on on the flight. And um, but not everyone out there is quote a safe person for me to talk to or a, a safe person for my kids to talk to. My son, when he's walking down the streets of Manhattan, he turns into John Travolta from Saturday Night Fever. I mean, he starts strutting, and everyone he sees, he's like, "Hey, what's up, man?" <laughs> hey man, what's what's up? How you doing? And he just says hi to everyone, and I think it's it's adorable. But at the same time, you know, part of me is like, okay, please make sure every single person that crosses his path is there for a positive experience with my child and a non non harmful experience with my child. And I think this is the hardest thing because it's also, you know, when you're talking about raising a child in a community and it takes a village to um, basically support your children, we're constantly trusting strangers with our kids. We're trusting the um, the bus driver. We're, tr- we're trusting teachers. And these are, um, you know, yeah, accredited people, certified people. They're licensed and all that stuff, but it's still a new person having, um, you know, especially with, with, with your teachers, having to quickly understand and help build the foundation of your children. And if they can, you know, I I think back of the teachers in my life, and some teachers had a very positive influence on me, and others had um, a not-so-positive influence on me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when you release your kid into the playground, where are you releasing them? Who's around? Who's outside the playground watching? You know, who's lurking? Um, And it's a very, very scary world if you let it be scary. Um, there's now a whole thing about whether or not you put a, a little chip inside your child, a little oh. electronic chip. I mean, we we your mom ever? <laughs> Something similar to what's in the poodle, or, or yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. My my husband's actually for it. He's a big believer in technology, and I I'm like no, and I and in something about me with thinking about the law of attraction, um, you know, one I know that you can't ignore what is out there. Um, but I don't want to ever attract a scenario like that, and you should see me knocking on wood all around me right now as, as I speak. You know, I feel like it's important to share this stuff, but at the same time, again, I don't, I don't want the negative penetrating my, my, my safety net that I'm placing around my kids. Well, you see, now, the thing that comes to mind is, is that, again, I, I can only come from where I, I came from and how I was raised, right. but... The, the teachers and, and, and adults that came along at different points of growing up. Be, let's, let's and, 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 just, and just so you know, Joe, I have one minute on the show. Well, left. the point is is that, okay, we had parents. So that was the default. In other words, everything was always reverted back to me, to my mother and father. In other words, no, who, no, matter who, no matter who came along, I had an immediate sense that, you know, I still have a, my, my, the main adults in my life are my mother and father. Right. And I'll leave it at that. And well, I, 
I agree with that. I mean, my my dad, he said it when he was on the on our show called Talking Sock, where him and my mom were always about, you know, safety first, and I always knew that they were there. So every time I went out, it was have fun and be safe. And I knew wherever I was that I can call home and they would they would be there for me. So my my home front was safe and secure. And I trusted myself enough to know um, and, you know, just trusted my common sense when I went out into the world, you know, the external front, um, you know, but I'm still exploring it, and I will be exploring it until I'm no longer here on this earth. And I want to make sure that, that my kids, when they explore it, that they are you know, as equipped as possible, well-rounded, not just on the academic front, but also from, from their core and trusting themselves, and please, 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 God, bless them with lots of mazel. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you, Joe, for calling in. It was so fun to meet you this weekend. Yes, same here, and give my best to Nicole, and I hope... uh, I will. I know you know know the the background, but I hope everything works out well with Kate, um, Kathy, uh, Ward, uh, you know, the connection that we made for you guys. Yeah. Yes. I yes, guess, that uh, would be awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna get uh, I'm gonna get in touch with her and um we'll be hearing a lot more. Thank you, Joe, you too. Right. And we'll be hearing a lot more about the progress of the film CoverGirl Culture and how we are basically spawning this movement to help empower young women in their self esteem and keeping them safe in whatever path that they and their parents decide is right for them in pursuing, even if it is modeling. Um, It's just important to know what could be behind door number two and how if if you do find yourselves in some um, compromising and unsafe situations, how to pull yourself out of them uh, without without getting scathed and without getting marked. Um, these are these are the tools that we can arm, arm ourselves up with parents um, and where we put the glitz and glamour to one side and we focus on um, keeping your kids safe and what we need to do. So this is Mama. This is Cynthia from Mama's Pearls just reminding you to love your children, enjoy your family, have a great spring break, and always to remember to take your safety net with you. You can find me online at www.mamaspearls.blogspot.com. You can find me on Twitter at SinTweet, and you can always email me at Cynthia at mamaspearls.com, and it's with two M M O M M A S P E A R L S.com. If you want to listen to any of the past shows, if you want to hear my segment with Nicole Clark, that was Beauty Mark, and you can find it on the show archives at www.blogtalkradio.com slash Mama's Pearls. One resource I did find which was very helpful and um, is called mychildsafety.net, and that is online with the the millions of others that will totally freak you out, but also empower you. So have a great week. Enjoy the rest of your spring break, and we'll be chatting again next week.